1: Hello, welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Anita.
2: Hi, everybody.
1: On our last episode, we had discussed uh, broadly the issue of colleges and underpaying their workers. But specifically, we had mentioned college athletics. And it occurred to me as I was preparing for this episode today that college sports offers uh, a very public example of what we're going to be discussing. Mm-hmm. Historically, there's been this archetype of college football and basketball coaches as a uh, Older, usually white drill sergeant types yelling at refs and frequently their own players when something annoys them. And we've seen this sort of fade away in the last couple decades or so. But it's an example in some ways of the power imbalance between bosses and their workers that we want to talk about today.
2: That's right. Um, you see it in TV. Uh, you see it as acceptable or even lauded uh, to be, you know, treated harshly by a coach or somebody um, on the team who's senior to you. And the same sort of thing um, might translate over into the work environment um, quite readily. Um, I think for most Americans, the typical hard-nosed boss type of you know, of old is still kind of what they think of and kind of what they have to deal with in a work environment.
1: Yeah. You had mentioned TV. It it had occurred to me today. I was hearing something about uh, Gordon Ramsay, you know, him. And, you know, (laughs) yeah, he and a lot of like reality show types are premised on this idea of a hard-nosed guy who is going to yell at you to get things right. And that's uh, a type of management style that I think if you have to actually deal with it, you know you wouldn't put up with that. But in this country, at least, it's treated as entertainment. And, and I've actually heard that uh, in the UK, where Gordon Ramsay is from, he's actually much more polite on television. So it, it's this weird cultural tick of Americans in particular that wants bosses to be this type.
2: Yeah, there's there's even two versions of the of the Kitchen Nightmares show. The British mm-hmm. one is a lot less abrasive. But I think that they probably, when porting it over here, probably say, hey, these Americans, they're really out for blood, you know?
1: We <laughs> can't get enough of being yelled at.
2: Oh, my God. Or, well, I think we imagine now, see, that's where the archetype comes mm-hmm. in. We imagine ourselves in Gordon Ramsay's sort of point of view, like, oh, look at how dumb these people are, you know? And I, I would show them what for. Well, the truth is, in most environments, you're going to be the worker and not the boss, And um, yeah, that's the way it is for most people, I'd say. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's. I I think public sympathies, more often than not, are with the boss in this country, which is very strange given, you know, most people are not themselves bosses.
2: It goes two ways. On the one hand, uh, I think most people would say, ah, my boss. Right. You know, he's a real. That's the whole
1: premise behind this show.
2: Yeah. So, um, but then they themselves. Are aspiring capitalist millionaires, you uh-huh. know they always think, well, when I'm the boss, I get to be a jerk, uh-huh. <laughs> and um yeah, that's not my point. I mean, I would hope that if I was uh, running a company or something that I would reward my my uh my workers in an adequate manner and uh-huh. and be in a position to do that. Unfortunately, under capitalism, I would be thrown out on my ear. <laughs>
1: It's, it's a fair point that, um, and something maybe we can get into later that, you know, a lot of bosses are themselves under pressure from bosses above them. They, they have to yeah. behave this way because it's a systemic, for yeah. it's a systemic problem, mm-hmm. not just one of bad individuals. Now the inspiration for our topic today, uh, this was originally Rich's idea. He was supposed to be here, but he's been quite sick today. Uh, we wish you well, Rich. Yes. Um, There were recent news stories about uh, Democratic Senator Amy Klomachar who uh, announced her candidacy for presidency and was – soon thereafter, there were multiple reports from former staffers uh, speaking anonymously about the way she treated them as as their boss. And the reports were not good. You know, she was – abusive towards them, we can say, yelling at them over small mistakes. There was a, an anecdote where she berated a staffer for not bringing her a fork and then ate a salad with a comb, <laughs> yes, rather, yeah. and then had the staffer clean the comb.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's uh, a weird story. Yeah, and, it, and of course, there's also the one about uh, her throwing things at people, allegedly <laughs> throwing things at people, but it isn't so much, and I, I got to be honest, it isn't so much these anecdotal uh, stories of the staffers mm-hmm. that really gets me. It seems to be the way the media covers it as, as, a, as a positive somehow. They're trying to spin mm-hmm. it as, oh, she's, she's a tough customer. Look how she really you mm-hmm. know wrangles her staff. But to me, that just says, hmm, maybe you crack under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you're not fun to work under. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of negatives there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think more distressing for me beyond just the individual anecdotes of, you know, mm-hmm. weirdness, Abuse, there were, yeah. <laughs> there were stories that she had like called when she had found out that a staffer had sought work elsewhere. She called that other employer to, you know, rescind the offer, oh, which is... Oh
2: man, I you, had not heard that. Yeah. That's pretty dark.
1: It, it's spiteful, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, um... I mean, I, I, that's Trumpian. I would say mm-hmm. almost to try and, you know, burn the bridge that they're trying. To, they're trying to get away from you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's scary.
1: Now we don't want to spend this hour uh, dunking on Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, but-
2: I, I don't think she's. I mean, she's not much of a contender. But the way that the the media spun it was pretty, pretty scary to a worker right. to hear these terrible stories being seen as like, okay, that's, that's a good thing.
1: <laughs> there was, um, but the point is she's emblematic of a broader issue in society, which right. is, uh, the control that bosses have over the workplace and the, uh, ability for them to make our lives miserable.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's all, it's all, stick and no carrot these days it seems even though i mean obviously that's not ideal either (laughs) there -hmm. should be no sticks i think that um you know for for bosses um to feel the pressure of their bosses or their shareholders bearing down upon them they come home and kick the dog and guess what that's that's you and me that's Mm -hmm. the worker um worked in several different Uh, let's call them fields, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been in situations where every day at work I hope not to cry. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: That's pretty bad, you know. And I'm not talking about, oh, I have some power executive sort of job. I mean just like, you know, I I guess entry-level job Mm -hmm. where, honestly, you should be able to have the mobility to get away from an abusive management system. Yeah.
1: I've been luckier than you from the sounds of it. The like biggest issue I've had with bosses is when they hover <laughs> and you know, when the they're watching over yeah. the work you're doing. And it, uh, mm. it always makes you suspicious. It's, it's a, there's a feeling of like Big Brother is watching you.
2: Oh, yeah. You that. I mean, if you're on a work computer, obviously Big Brother is watching you. Mm-hmm. You should be smart enough to use your phone and do yeah. it uh, on your 4G instead of... <laughs> don't screw around on their network they can see that Mm -hmm. um pro tip um but i I mean i've i've done for a while i was a temp at a factory uh churned out styrofoam plates and honestly it was one of the better paying jobs in the area where i was living at the time Mm -hmm. and i was like you know about a 20 year old woman and this was a factory it was full of full of large men full of People who are lifers, and they called us the Kellys because we were from Kelly Services or, or Working Man or one of those places, mm-hmm. and um, and we were treated as scabs would be treated by the lifers. Okay, um, even though there's there's no unionization or anything in this place. Trust me, um, the rule, the penalties were incredibly harsh. Um, you had to work long, scary amounts of you know time. It was just like it just beating down on you with just heavy sort of labor. Um, you know, my my hands were cut up, my you know, from like grabbing onto bags and boxes and things like that. <laughs> and there was no stopping the line, and they would frequently you know, yell at us. Um, you know, we're not stopping the line because one of you incompetent Kellys can't mm-hmm. you know, go fast enough and I'm like, "Oh my god. You know, it, is it really worth the 1250 an hour?" And it was, to me, I'm thinking, man, now this was a few years ago, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking, man, twelve fifty an hour, though. I got to do this or else, yeah. what else am I going to do? All right. Well, you know, the managerial style there was very brusque. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no room for any kind of, um, hey, I, I really need a bathroom break. Right. None of that. Forget it. Um, you'd have to literally ask somebody to double-team you, your line for you while you were gone mm-hmm. if you needed an emergency break.
1: Yeah. And this sounds very similar to some of the public reports about Amazon warehouses and oh, the yeah. conditions there. Um, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, is largely untouched by yeah. the stories of what goes on, you know, the people who make him rich.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, I never slept in my car for work anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe at a concert. But um, I never had to when I was working, but those people do. And a lot of them decide I'm going to camp instead of live in a house because I just simply cannot afford it. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad. And Jeff Bezos, shame on you.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Now, one of the things I wanted to get into is sort of the excuses that people, and us included, tend to make when bosses – abuse their power mm-hmm. we the, there are any number of you know when you see like the comment section on an article about you know employees being mistreated yeah you, there's a safe bet that at least 40 50 percent of the commenters will you know yeah here put comes, pin the blame on <laughs> the employees here
2: comes the apologists and the you know doing their acrobatics mm-hmm. uh, of course to try and make it seem like Oh, you, you know, you just have to be better at your job or something. If you don't like it, mm-hmm. just quit. I love that one. That's great because, like I was saying, if the best job in your area pays you twelve fifty to go, you know, work the four to midnight in a in a hot, darn factory um, where there's just where you have to buy your own boots. Nothing is, you know. Um, lunch is, you know, you only get you only get your you know thirty minute lunch and you better find a way to go to the bathroom and eat it and all that in 30 minutes or else you're going to get in big trouble. (laughs) So, no, it is not, oftentimes it's not the worker's fault. It's not, you know, I mean...
1: What's the alternative?
2: Exactly, exactly. Uh, You're not going to find that kind of... I mean, for me, it was was either that or the winery that was in the town, and that was a dangerous job. It (laughs) was different to work in the styrofoam place, so... (laughs) I really sad, right? You can either risk, you know,
1: bodily (laughs) harm or you know, psychological harm.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was very psychologically stressful to work in the styrofoam factory. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had tons of other, more actually, more psychologically scarring jobs than that. But that one comes to mind as one that I think everyone can sort of see. This is how you're the cog in the wheel being abused, sort Sort of. of. And uh, my friend who worked at the winery told me that um, when he got a chemical burn, they really didn't help him out. Mm -hmm. They just sort of, he's had a scar on his leg his entire life since then. So it's like, hmm, it it means safety wasn't, I mean, it's supposed to be number one. But, I mean, if OSHA comes through and they say, oh, this looks good to me, well, the hell with your leg, you know. (laughs) So, And they told him straight up, if you fall into one of these big vats of wine, um, you can't swim out. And it's unlikely that people will be able to save you because, you know, they're too tall. And you cannot swim in wine because your body is, you know, less buoyant than the... Okay, I don't know the that, science This you cannot swim in wine. <laughs> and you had to walk across the catwalk. Uh. So that is, yeah, yeah. scary stuff. Um,
1: yeah, but... Mm- all these horror stories, I think mm-hmm. we can say, are different sides of the same coin that leads, you know, Gordon Ramsay and Amy Klobuchar to yell at their subordinates. It's, yeah. it's a reflection of the power bosses have over their workers, and it's a power imbalance that we on this show hope to fix.
2: Yeah, well, we're at least going to make a dent here today because, you know, these stories need to be told bosses need to understand that if they're going to live in a dog-eat-dog capitalistic society and, and function, hopefully until that's fixed and done with, <laughs> um, then they need to, the the ride has to be a less bumpy one for their workers. So that's, I mean, that's what I believe anyway. Yeah. Everybody's got to eat, they have to have shelter, and they have to have clothing, and I think the bosses who um, reward their employees with, I shouldn't say reward, but have basic common decency and respect and see you as a human being, uh-huh. you'll know them when you see them. Because you know what? They're going to be the ones that are suffering with you
0: uh-huh.
2: and not not harping on you.
1: Um, we're going to take a little break here. Um, we'll be back
2: after this. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.
1: Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, still here with Anita. Hi. We've been talking about uh, abusive bosses in light of some recent news stories where boss abuse was made public. Um... And I I think some of the most uh, prominent examples of this is what we saw in, you know, the Me Too revelations of a year or two ago when Mm. several prominent media figures primarily were, you know, exposed to be sexual predators towards those working under them. There was an article written in the aftermath of that uh, about uh, Charlie Rose and, you know, the allegations made against him by a The article is by Nathan J. Robinson in Current Affairs. It's called Abuse by Bosses Comes in Many Forms. Uh, One of the allegations against Rose was, aside from, you know, the sexual abuse, which is horrific and, you know, we do not mean to minimize it here, uh, you know, that he would frequently yell at staffers and he would treat them poorly in ways that go beyond that. I'm going to quote from the article now. It's striking to see just how easily this other form of abuse is tolerated. Even when people who worked with someone professed that they never knew about their sexual predations, many of them knew perfectly well about the other ways in which these men were cruel and manipulative.
2: I think that that does speak to the power dynamic, like you are mm-hmm. saying. Is it about, uh, you know, man's lust for power? I mean man in like the, you know, everybody's sense. Is it that once we know we have complete or or even near-complete power over someone that mm-hmm. we feel apt to abuse. Or, you know, because I, I, I'm more of an angels of our better nature sort of person about that. I think that most people are not like that. However, I think, you know, in Mr. Rose's case, it's pretty obvious that he was maybe even enjoying himself in his, you know, his flippant sort of, you know, denigrating of his staff and treating women like objects because he simply just did not see them as humans or even on his level.
1: Yeah. Uh, the art, the article goes on a, uh, quote, Consider Harvey Weinstein. I can believe that some of Weinstein's employees had no idea that he was a rapist. After all, he went to absurd extremes to prevent anyone from finding out about his crimes. But every single one of them knew that he was a, quote, Horrible person. Heck, there was a TV character based on him who does almost nothing but threaten and swear at people. This kind of conduct, though, can be practiced in public. It's common to see bosses demeaning and hectoring their assistants or making their subordinates cry. But screaming at someone, telling them they're worthless and incompetent, that they're lucky to get to work for you, that's abuse. Sexual harassment is only one one of the forms of workplace harassment. But you can make someone's life hellish by taunting, bullying, and exploiting them, even if the actions never take on a sexual dimension. This is sort of, you know, acceptable. This is, you know, expected almost from bosses. People
2: kind of chuckle at the idea of, oh, yeah, the boss is really riding me today. I guess I won't get a lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, That's unacceptable. And um, we shouldn't leave the Waltons out of this. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're... I mean, maybe they're hands off right now, but their their policies have led completely to just complete de- degradation of, you know, workers um, and treating everyone like a cog in a wheel.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I know you have some personal experience in this. Yes, matter.
2: I do. Yes, sir, I do. I've worked at Walmart, and I worked there for several years. I was actually lucky enough to work in a more respectable position because um, I worked in the pharmacy. So we were kind mm-hmm. of off by ourselves sort of you know Uh, my boss was the pharmacist so I didn't have to take any flack from like the floor managers but I can tell you I saw a lot of abuse going on there and psychologically what they do is is they try to make you feel like you're the crazy one because your schedule changes so frequently this Mm -hmm. is something that was out of our hands your schedule changes so frequently and they do that so that you cannot have another job So your options are so limited that you are so desperate and you hang on to this really bad job. Now,
1: how long in advance would you find out your
2: schedule? Uh, So it was said that it must be two weeks in advance, but that depends on, well, did they put it up yet? You know, who was in charge of that? Did they get around to it? And it made me think like, okay, well, maybe they're shirking their responsibilities or maybe this is... Sort of one of those underlying, like concerted efforts to sort mm-hmm. of corral the workforce.
1: N- now, see, I've had a job where you know, you'd be lucky if you know you found out your schedule for Sunday the Friday. Oh yeah. Before you oh, know, yeah. it was two days, not if two If you've weeks.
2: ever driven pizzas, you never know what your schedule is going to be till mm-hmm. like the day before. Um, you know, and, and, and food service,
1: I know, is food notorious service
2: for us. is very bad. I I worked for a very famous. Um, uh, chicken company for a little while. Okay. And um, the owner of that restaurant was really hands off. So it was basically being run by teenagers who were backbiting each other and stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, the work environment wasn't just abusive, it was also kind of dangerous because people would have water fights in the back room and the manager would say, throw that guy in the trash can. It's hazing day. Hazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it chicken mm-hmm. corp if you know right. what i mean it, so it, mm.
1: it's it's all reflective of the imbalance we've been talking about it it's a problem that workers feel they don't have an alternative to putting up with this sort of crap and that's
2: a that's mm-hmm. not a bug it's a feature because mm-hmm. once again when we talk about the dynamics that exist within capitalism it is way better for the management class if you are always on your knees if you're always desperate and looking for you know Uh, your next paycheck and you cannot afford to quote go get another job which is what everyone says oh if you don't like it at chicken corp go work somewhere else (laughs) well if you know if you've put in you know 20 applications that's the only place that took you you know you you have the right i believe it is your right to be able to find a job and have a job and you know eat <laughs> mm-hmm. It just seems simple to me that we treat each other with, you know, that much respect. respect. Yeah. Exactly.
1: It's and that we don't is a real flaw in this current system. It's it's designed to squeeze every last ounce out of workers mm-hmm. and setting aside whatever impact that might have on their lives, you know.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I've after working at Walmart, I did work for another, um, another famous W company who's mm-hmm. kind of their competitor, and mm-hmm. they're around here. And even though for me, I knew that this was just an, this was a job, just like any other job where technically, you better watch yourself around management, just mm-hmm. like anything, the work environment was not abusive. It was friendly. It was kind now uh-huh. they are not union friendly, right. so I'm just yeah. going to put it right there. you know their union video was just as you know yeah <laughs> just as dangerous to uh workers' rights as possibly even Walmart, but they didn't treat you like garbage they They come mm-hmm. over and ask you, Hey, did you get a lunch? Go get a lunch you know mm-hmm. oh you you know you don't have money for lunch. well, guess what it's on us. Uh-huh. Those are the kind of things that make people stick around. They make it a little bit more palatable to be stuck in this capitalist society for a little bit longer until we can, like I said, fix it, change it. I know it's damning with faint praise to say that, though, for <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, and one of the stories you had mentioned, you know, brings up a, an interesting point, which is that, uh, and in some cases, you know, bosses have made it possible for workers to abuse each other. Yes. They, they, the whole system runs on, you know, this rolls downhill. It it creates a pressure that is felt harshest at the bottom and causes conflict even between workers.
2: Yeah, um, many times workers are pitted against each other for, for hours, for break time, for, um, you know, just I would say even supplies. There's been times where you're expected, at least I've experienced this. You're expected to get a task done, and there's no paper, there's no there's no printer paper, so you're going around stealing from other people's cash registers when they're not around because you know f that guy, I got to get my stuff done. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that just sort of leads to uh, pitting more workers against each other rather than collaboration. Yeah. And they want that. And mm-hmm. It's a it's not a bug. It's a feature. So, um, they're just hoping to keep you running hard enough and long enough and they really don't care how you get it done Mm -hmm. or if it's done well. Yeah. So I would say that the best practice is to make sure that when you're, when you're going in, if you have this luxury, make sure you know the, the sort of corporate culture you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Ask about it in the job interview. I know it's a very degrading thing to go through these zillions of interviews you have to do, and you probably just want to land somewhere and just get the paycheck, but think about what you're getting into. If you've heard that there's, you know, sex abuse rampant in a company, maybe you don't want to go there Mm -hmm. and, and, and write a review and look on Glassdoor and things like that. Um, I took the Walmart job because honestly, once again, it was one of the only places that was hiring in the area.
1: You have to have alternatives in order to say no to a company. Right. And if your alternative is to, you know, workplace abuse is not having enough to put food on the table, that's no alternative at all. That's not a choice.
2: Yeah, when I finally quit at the chicken place, it was Mm -hmm. because my manager was so drunk on the job and angry. um, He he yelled in my face, and I was like, well, (laughs) I'm not taking that from you. I was like, I I know that you are drunk and you're being abusive, and I quit. But I didn't know where I was going after that. It was just I had to get out of there because I couldn't take the thought of another day being screamed at or, you know, abused by the other workers in a way where, I mean, I really did have to stop them from putting, um, you know, a 16-year-old girl into a trash can. I was like, this isn't funny, you know.
1: (laughs) And. It's interesting you mentioned uh, places like Glassdoor. I, I think the internet in some ways offers opportunities mm-hmm. for workers. There's more knowledge about these things than perhaps there was in the past. But at the same time, workers have to be willing to, to tell each other, you know, yeah, sure. provide heads up mm-hmm. about, you know, to the extent that we can to avoid certain situations. At, yeah. to, not Not to put blame on those who can't avoid situations. Yeah.
2: Um, This isn't about, you know, uh, putting too much onus on the worker. Mm -hmm. They get enough of that. They get enough, like we talked about with Gordon Ramsay and the coaches and things like Mm -hmm. that, but I think that it's the old way, and I think people are starting to realize that having a screaming boss over you is not your fault. It, It means that the work environment is toxic and it needs to be changed, and you'll notice that a lot of companies these days are doing a lot of PR to try and avoid looking like they're bad. Right, right. Take the I don't know, three new rollouts of Wells Fargo. <laughs> yeah. But Wells Fargo. Sorry about that. Is basically their tagline cuz yeah. they've they've done it so much they abused the heck out of their workers to the point where they thought it's better yeah. to just open fake checking accounts than take yeah. it from the boss. Mm-hmm. So, there's uh there's them and uh, I'm sure you could think of a few examples.
1: Yeah, there's I mean, Uber has had a pretty swanky ad campaign, and what you won't see on their commercials is that, you know, they offer little pay and little benefits. They they don't offer much to workers, but they're selling, you know, opportunity and flexibility at the expense of, you know...
2: Yeah, I'm done with this gig economy BS. It's just sort of demeaning to hear people talk about it as if it's an opportunity, because... Maybe to them, if, you know, they're thinking back in the 70s when, yeah, if I could just be my own taxi, wow, that would have been great. But we're living in, you know, this world where, you know, people are forced to do that because you can't get a nice job at IBM. You can't just go be a company man the rest of your life and wear your suit and tie and never be, you know, never be fired. And I'd like to say that that's, you know, post Reagan. That that's mm-hmm. basically what we've become is this dog-eat-dog sort of situation.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and if that's the reality now, I, I guess the natural instinct is to ask, well, what can we do about that? Uh, right. We're going to get into that after this break.
2: Hey, hey guys, you know that feeling you have at work, that dead inside feeling? Bad news, we can't really help with that. Good news, we can help you waste some time at work. You're listening to Punching Out on FM Rochester. Your boss isn't listening, but we are.
1: Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, still here with Anita. Hi. We've been talking about bad bosses, abusive bosses, and how prevalent they've become in modern American society especially. And we wanted to wrap up this show. It's going to be a bit of an abbreviated show this week on trying to provide alternatives, trying to offer a way out of this current status quo where things like you know Amy Klobuchar yelling at her staffers is seen as you know, empowering in some weird, backwards way. It's trying to create a country where workers can not have to deal with that anymore
2: yeah um you know there there are several solutions that would immediately make things better for workers that me and ryan here are talking about and um first of all it's people power worker power yeah labor organizing maybe in small separate segments um to begin with if they need to but then sort of culminating into sort of a a workforce, Mm -hmm. a labor force that is united.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, bosses aren't going to give up any of their existing power without, you know, a counterbalance to that power. Mm -hmm. And the only way workers are going to have that power is by coming together, by, you know, whether that's through unions or other collective action, they, workers have to be able to challenge the power of the boss. They have to be able to say, no, there's a, there's a book I read called uh, B.S. Jobs. It's by David Graeber. And he dis- likens um, the boss-worker uh, dynamic to sort of a relationship. And in any relationship, you know, one party has to be able to say no to the other. They have to have that ability to have an out yeah. in order to be treated as equals. Or else
2: we go back to the non-consenting sort of situation. In a lot of ways... Having your labor be robbed from you is a non-consensual act. It's, it's aggressive, and it is an act. It's an act of aggression, and I think that I think a lot of people can really recognize that if we had alternatives, if we didn't, if we had a better social safety net, where uh, you didn't feel like you would go completely off the rails and lose your house and you know your truck and your dog and your family. Um, immediately, then you could probably have more job flexibility. And what that does is puts a little bit of fear into the bosses saying, okay, well, they have leverage. Uh-huh. And we are always as workers looking for leverage. Yeah. You need to be able to push these um, pressure points.
1: Uh-huh. Um, just as an example, uh, universal healthcare is something we've talked about on this mm-hmm. show before. You know, there's a bill in New York State, legislature uh, legislator that would provide it in New York State, it's the New York Health Act. But it really what healthcare is for a lot of people is it's tied to their jobs as yes. in our current system. You know, employer sponsored healthcare is how most Americans get their health insurance, which is mm-hmm. and it can be a convoluted mess at the best of times. Right. But if you don't have that insurance it can be even worse, you know. Yeah it can leave you out of, in the
2: cold. A lot of jobs, you know, they'll offer worse plans than you should be getting, obviously. And, and we, we don't have universal uh, health health coverage yet. So oh, every day we need to strive for that, obviously, by voting for the right people, obviously. But in the meantime, the things that you can do are these collective actions. Um, if you have the ability to help organize, there's the Fight for 15, um, there's, there's our Walmart, O-U-R-R Walmart, um, and, and also, um, several other unions, um, well, those two are not unions yet. They are, they are pushing the boundaries Mm -hmm. of collective activism, uh, without, and collective bargaining without, without technically being able to form a union.
1: And just to get back on the the healthcare point for a minute Mm -hmm. is because health insurance is tied to people's jobs, it, they feel that they don't have an alternative. Uh, yeah, there's no I know mobility. just in my personal experience, you know, my, my mother works at a job that for the most part she likes, but there are aspects of it that she very much does not like. And, you know, there have been times when, you know, she has come home crying because she feels like she doesn't have an out because that is how our family has had health insurances through her boss, who, who by all accounts is a nice boss, but they have understaffing, you know, they're She's overworked at times mm-hmm. and that creates a pressure on her that, you know, without some sort of universal, you know, baseline, w- where is her out? Where is her ability yeah. to say no?
2: Let's try to imagine a society, uh, you know, with with um, universal healthcare and we don't even need to try to imagine it's, they have mm-hmm. them in Europe, they have mm-hmm. them all over the world and those people do have... Uh, easier m- ease of mobility from job to job mm-hmm. so they are being treated better as a result because if you do not have that ultimate leverage over somebody else and they can leave and go get in and, and they have health care so they won't die and their family will be covered mm-hmm. um you know that's a lot of peace of mind right yeah. there there's a lot of peace of mind and we can do it for cheaper and we could do it better
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that's the solution
1: yeah and <laughs> That's not the only, you know, aspect of the safety net that would help. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, if people didn't have to rely on their jobs to, you know, for the income to make ends meet, that would also be something that would give them mm-hmm. more leverage in employment situations. Uh, we've right. talked in the past on this show about universal basic income, a concept like that, or, or yes. even a, a federal jobs guarantee, which is the proposal that oh, that'd be lovely. the government would provide, you know, $15 minimum wage for anybody who wanted to sign up for it, which... In turn, would put pressure on private employers to say, "Okay, how do we keep you from working for them?" That's basically.
2: right. And the only thing that keeps employers from uh, reducing pay or you know things like that are is the comp- is the c- competitive nature. Um, it's a mix of PR. If they get bad publicity for being bad, um, so keep on them, and and
1: we've seen and you know the example yeah. of this being a. Amazon recently yeah, yeah. upped its minimum wage to fifteen an hour after a lot of publicity about the conditions in their warehouses and pressure on them to do so. And and to be fair, fair they you know haven't been the greatest in doing that because yeah. they did so well slashing other benefits and
2: right and, and pricing people out and you know things like that. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, so Disney's the same way. They didn't want to pay $15 an hour. And, you know, um, uh, the grandchild of Walt Disney was just on CNBC the other day Uh, on, on our side, a nice class trader. (laughs) I like that. Um, and she was arguing against the idea of sort of just going for the minimum and, and driving everything down and trying to pay the least to workers who deserve, Mm -hmm. deserve, uh, to have a living wage, it's so mm-hmm. simple. Everyone needs to eat, and everyone needs healthcare. Yeah. And if we can't touch those baselines in America, then um, then we can't be the greatest country in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's all there is to it.
1: Um, I, I want to shift bases just a little now and talk about. You know, we, we had talked earlier in the show about you know uh, the behavior of bad bosses being acceptable and, mm. and expected. Uh, yeah. There was a a book a year or two ago called uh, "Private Governments" by Elizabeth Anderson. I don't mm. know if you heard of no, her. No, I've not. It.
2: I've not read um, that.
1: You know, it was excerpted in a couple of articles, and the the gist of her argument is that you know we as Americans are sort of pride ourselves on you know liberty and you know resisting <laughs> authoritarianism. You know we wow. can't <laughs> we can't see any sort of government expansion without you know crying Stalinism. You know, there's but. At the same time, we are also ruled by a lot of tiny dictatorships, effectively. Mm, You know, the workplace is not a democracy. It's a place where one person's say really does, is the be and end all. There's a a phrase I've come to use, uh, small business tyrants.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've turned this America into, well, I shouldn't say turned, but it is currently a bunch of little fiefdoms that are all sort of Conglomerating under one. I mean, you go to the store, buy something by Nestle. Nestle is owned by you know another company. It's owned by Pepsi, who's owned by such and such and such. And all along down the line, those workers are being um, coerced into basically having their labor stolen from them at, at a very unfair price. So when we talk about the abuse, um, it's it's systemic. And we've taken ourselves out of the equation being able to fight it.
1: I I guess the the question is, you know, how do we stop that being so tolerated, you know? Mm. How do we get it so that people are just as sensitive to overreaches by capital, by their bosses, as they are to, you know, when the government interferes in the slightest way in their lives?
2: Right. If if a government agent comes to your house and says, now this is classic. Uh, You know, I saw your kids running around without shoes on. You know, Mm -hmm. I called CPS and they came to your door immediately. My rights, my rights. But then again, if if a company decides that they're going to take your, you know, take your bonus away and then you can afford shoes for those kids, Mm -hmm. you don't see that as an act of aggression. Yeah. But you should.
1: Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, talk about big brother you know we've yep. seen examples of companies firing people for the things they say on facebook for mm-hmm. the way they vote even there, there have been a couple of examples of that. that is
2: dangerous and i always try to keep that close to the chest and other right, people yeah. do too because um i know for a fact that you know my, one of the clients that i was working for is you know she's you know right winger and she knew i wasn't and mm-hmm. uh it, our relationship immediately became different. Mm-hmm. She sort of put on this totally different face or at least revealed her face to me. And, um, you know, that's something, and once again, you know, dear friends, please keep that close to your chest if yeah. you're not in a work environment where you can be open about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I use Twitter a lot, but mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people who do so anonymously. Oh, yeah, that's they, me.
2: There's no way yeah. I'm going to put my real...
1: Right, because no. they feel like, you know, posting how they feel, you know, under their own name would mean risking job prospects it would mean risking their current job yeah. perhaps yep. and and so a lot of people are practicing this form of self-censorship which mm. is somehow different from actual censorship but it has the same practical effects
2: i mean it's the same thing as coercion it's i you know a lot of people will say well you have the liberty to not give the mugger your wallet Mm -hmm. you know but do you really no Mm -hmm. you don't it's coercive and if somebody says i'm going to come to your house and slap the food right out of your hands that's the same thing as you know as saying all right i'm cutting your paycheck or i'm cutting your hours Mm because i don't like your facebook post
1: right it's Mm -hmm. we we have to get to a point in this country where people Mm -hmm. recognize the way power private power works just as easily as they recognize the way the government Works.
2: More and more studies are showing that um, when it's a less stressful work environment, it's actually far more productive. And if you were just a pure capitalist, you would look at the numbers and, and the strategies for making a more, I would say, stress-free workplace, and for doing more training and things like that. And mm-hmm. you would realize, hey, I can make I can make a lot more money and be more productive. Now, I don't really care how they feel about that, but I do care about the end results. Mm-hmm. And the more that we talk about this and the more that we show that it is counterproductive to to the bottom line, unfortunately, that's what we gotta go by, the more these places of work will, you know, decide they're not going to hire somebody with a toxic attitude or history of sex abuse or something like that. I mean it's not going to cut it completely across the board. Mm-hmm. For the most part those jobs that care about that kind of PR are not in food service. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not at small restaurants where the manager's a complete jerk. you know they don't right. care about that
1: really again, what, what comes down to is power you know right. bosses currently hold the power and so they're able to get up in your face and shout about it <laughs> but uh, un- until workers build power, that's going to continue yep and so it's on.
2: Well, we're working on many fronts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did talk about the healthcare angle, which yeah. f- makes us more flexible and fluid. Um, we did talk about the anonymity of the internet being a positive when you do need to get information yeah. to fellow workers. The, a lot of this, uh, our Walmart, is that's how it works, is mm-hmm. anonymously, and I think that's beautiful. And a mm-hmm. lot of you know, civil disobedience has has mm-hmm. been through the internet. Why do you think they're trying to make it so corporatized now? <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: yeah, This has been um, a, a worthwhile discussion, I, Absolutely. I, I think, um, but uh, we're going to cut it short here. Um, I'm Ryan. And I'm Anita. This
2: is Punching Out. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Rayo.